Hey budding lawyers, welcome to the podcast. Today we are going to have a chat with Ms. Archa Rajiv. Archa currently works with Agoda's legal team in Bangkok and has experience working in areas related to ethics and compliance. Her expertise includes dispute, dispute resolution, IPR, uh, negotiation and mediation. Hi Archa, what's up? Hi, just living life in lockdown. Okay, so um we will move on to other questions related to your uh, i mean the work uh, you are doing at bangkok and bangkok life in bangkok itself but before starting with that uh, please tell me some things like let's start with your college days please tell our audience about your college and also like uh, some of the common questions you used to get when you uh, were ma- uh, doing your masters in singapore right okay so two questions so i start with my college days first so i uh, i am from chennai so i wrote clat and all of that um but somehow um when the clat results came out in 2014 i never checked it i i just didn't um care enough to check it so um my options uh, were back then two universities in chennai one was uh, school of excellence which is still very popular um and then another one was a private university called vit uh who just started their first uh, batch it was their first law college and all of that so i saw an advertisement in the newspaper and i thought okay why not um i got into school of excellence but i just decided not to go there um i wanted to do something new so i went to vit finally um so i had this like group discussion and interview and all of that and i i got through and then um well, so i started in vit uh i belong to the first batch in vit so i studied ba lb uh yeah so it's a five year integrated course right so yeah i mean i i think i think law school was super fun um swimming through all the stigmas and every everything that comes through and you say that you're a student from a private law law university from somewhere in the south and and the first question people asked me when i was studying uh, when i went to an internship or when i introduced myself to um you know some person who is super famous in the field they're like oh is this even a university like is this um is this a legit university do they even have law and because since vit was super popular um i think everybody knew about the engineering courses that they offered but no one had any idea about law so everyone was like oh so vit has law is it the same vit so you study in vellore so none of this was um true i mean of course vit offered law and the campus was in chennai so i mean uh, it's a happened i was a day scholar so i traveled like 70 kilometers every day just to go to college 70 kilometers fun. every day yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, from my house it was 35 and coming back it was 35 Okay. so it is quite fun and from the third year onwards uh, you know we had half days which meant college got over at 1 pm and then i had the rest of the day for myself um i think studying in vit was pretty cool for me because um there were a lot of students from different walks of life people i wouldn't have met otherwise um people from like really deep interior parts of tamil nadu like and and people who had you know i mean people who were just different in many ways different from me and you know i'm happy to say i was you know i i made good friends with all of them and one of the things that i value uh, coming out of vit is the connections that i've made in life and the people i've gotten to know from vit and uh, the teachers since we were the first batch uh, we were a group of about 6 120 or 70 80 people we uh, who finally passed out and the professors had you know they gave us their full attention 
um, and you know they they were so dedicated. You know they really wanted us to succeed. So since we were the first batch, um, uh, they they really gave us a lot of attention and a lot of time, and I, I think it was really nice. I, I think that's that's something that I really like about VIT is the personal like the really kind of personal relationship that we had with professors and also like our whole batch was like a kind of family and we had like no ego and everything we kind of learned from each other which was pretty cool yeah okay I can uh, totally understand uh, with the passion you said were talking about your college like continuously for a few minutes at least so you were born and brought up in Chennai sir yeah, I was, I was, I am from Chennai. I was born in Chennai. I grew up in Chennai. <laughs> I lived in Chennai for 23 years of my life um, until I moved out to Singapore. So how did you decide, like, uh, you had plans for LLM from your, like, you had decided earlier, like, in your first year, second year itself, or after completing the course, uh, you started working somewhere and then you decided, was it something like that? Yeah, so I think I think one of the things when I talk to my juniors, uh, everyone thinks I was super sorted and I was like, I had these amazing plans to go to LLM and all that. But to be very honest, I was a confused little kid. So when I was in third year, I started preparing for civil service, which I eventually gave up in my fifth year because it was too stressful for me. Um, so I gave it up. And then um, after that, um, I decided very early on that I will, I will stay away from corporate law like you know the corporate firm life because I felt that that didn't suit me like um, I, I did go to a lot of internships and I felt that wasn't me um, so I mean it's a very unpopular opinion nobody says that in law school but I decided <laughs> early on this is not me I will not go through this uh, all of this so I decided to sort of stay away from it and then uh, that left me with litigation back in, in Chennai, uh, you know, um, my dad's lawyer. So that left me with litigation. I thought, you know, when I started uh, looking out for LLM, I thought, okay, so I can, you know, come back anytime and do litigation because my dad's a lawyer. So I, I have that step, one step forward. So I thought, okay, why not do LLM? But for a very long time, I wanted to do LLM in, um, in the National Law School. So I was actually preparing for CLAT PG. Um, and then one, one fine day I went to an internship and, you know, there were like these friends of mine and then they said, hey, you know, you have these like really good marks. Why don't you try for universities abroad? And until that point, I actually never believed in myself that I could get into any university abroad um, because I thought, oh, uh, you know, I'm from a private law school. No one's going to take me. But it so happened that this one guy motivated me and the same day I applied, I thought of applying, I looked. And then I didn't want to go too far away from home. So I thought, okay, Singapore is like two hours away from Chennai. So let's let's apply. So I did. And, you know, six or seven months later, I got in. Still one of the most memorable days of my life because I never thought I'd get in. So, yeah. So um, so all of that, I think one thing led to another. And that's how I decided to sort of do law, I mean, LLM in, in NUS. Okay. So if not LLM, you would have... Uh, been into litigation somewhere in Madras High Court or somewhere nearby, right? Um, I would have, yes. I, I still can't tell you for sure what I would have been doing if not for the LLM. But <laughs> yeah, maybe one of the uh, one of the highest chance, like yeah, litigation probably more probable. Yeah. So uh, you would have done some internships uh, under with some lawyers also, right? In litigation. Yeah, so I think one of the things that I'm very proud about is uh, the internships that I did. 
I did a ton of internships when I was in law school. Like I never wasted the holidays. I never wasted even a ten day break. Um, uh, so I initially started the Human Rights Commission. After that, I did um, in a couple of law firms like King and Partridge, Fox Mundell, uh, all of that. And I, I mean, I also didn't do any internships at tier one, tier two firms because I didn't get it. But uh, yeah, I think I think I will take this chance to say that you know you don't really have to do like. internships in tier 1 tier 2 to be successful or to do anything in life um, it's fine just just do what you can from where you are and um, i'm really proud about the fact that i got all these internships by myself i actually cold called emailed i did all of that and never used to reference um, which many people think you need in life to actually get into internships but again you don't really need all that you can just do what you can from your capacity and after that my last internship was in nani palkiwala arbitration center which is why i decided to do my my llm in arbitration as well hmm interesting so uh, then arbitration llm and nus how did you get there uh, what was the procedure oh okay so procedure wise uh, you have to if you're applying next day you have to decide this year that you want to go um and you have to apply like 6 months before and i think for llm batch uh, at nus the admission starts somewhere in october uh, for uh, batch beginning in um, august or july so you would have to sort of start you know thinking about your financial options first and foremost your statement of purpose and your recommendation letters you would have to get all of that and you have to get these stamps and seals from your university and uh, you have to get this envelope with your university stamp and all of that so there's a lot of admin work that you have to do to apply um you know it, with with all the work that you actually have to put in such as the statement of purpose recommendation letters and everything so yeah there's there's actually um a couple of things that you have to do uh, is to first narrow down and see if the university has your uh, specialization and then you know talk to your faculty and see if they can write you a brilliant recommendation letter and you know most often when you're from a, when you're from a private university it's better to get it from your dean um or whoever is in in that level uh, but yeah nothing wrong in getting from your faculty also and also you know you have to one of the most important things is to think about your financial options look at the fee and also include the living expense to it and see uh, what are your options and then finally just bunch it all together and post it to singapore is what you have to do uh, i do understand a lot of colleges in in the uk they don't require a, require hard copies you can just do everything online but as far as i know uh, singapore requires everything in hard copy which means you have to post it um and you mm. have to make sure that the post reaches them so you have to you know be sure and do all of this uh, way before the deadline i think the deadline is somewhere in december okay so you have about 2 months to get all of this together and then post it to them and then the admission result comes out somewhere in april but i do know a lot of my uh, friends at nus got it in feb also i got mine in april and a lot of them got got theirs in april so it's it's a, it's a good 6 month wait to sort of get to know whether you got in or not yeah because all you have to post it so that itself requires some time right i mean you can do speed posts and all of that it reaches in like 3 4 days oh okay, so <laughs> yeah okay. it's just thing of <laughs> uh, yeah so it reaches in like 3 4 days so no problem with that but you just have to make sure it reaches you know person has received it and all of that 
Mm-hmm. So how did you like? What's uh, how did you do it? Like which service did you use? I think you have the option in Indian Post. They do it the international yeah. transport too. Yeah, yeah, all of that. It's just and you can also use DHL and all of those private mm-hmm. uh, services as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a bit more uh, safer to use private ones because I think you can check online and they have these really good online portals and you can check if uh, who has received it, who delivered it, and all of that. But I guess nothing wrong with using um, India Post uh, in Indian Post, is it? Yeah, mm-hmm. nothing wrong with using that. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Uh, so how was life in NUS? And you were talking about the living expenses. So were you? Did you apply for uh, you know student quarters or something like that? Which has uh, they, do they have the facility in the university campus? Uh, okay. So first, I'll answer the accommodation question. Mm-hmm. So as far as I know, for NUS law school, there's and especially for the international students, uh, they do offer like three, four in the application form, but they usually allocate only this place called College Green which is just opposite to the university itself. And uh, back then, at least, this was in 2019, right? Back then, there was, um, at least in this process, there was no transparency on how it was allocated. A few of my friends got it and a few of them didn't. So I, I luckily got it for both the semesters. Um, and it's a separate form you have to apply to. Uh, and I, I guess when you're applying for NUS Law School, it's better to choose College Green because that is the only place that they actually allot to the LLM students. So College Green was a kind of a landed property, like it was a community, but with like individual houses and these individual houses uh, had a living room and four separate rooms. So I lived with three of my flatmates, wonderful, wonderful people, the best people I've met in my life. And I'm so happy that I got to meet them. Um, so yeah, I think I think life in College Green was, it's, it's a separate experience in itself. Um, and especially for me, it was the first time moving out of home and, you know, to meet all these people, to get to know all of them was really nice. And it's a separate community. You share it with the, the other LLM students as well as the public policy students from NUS. So, you know, you get to meet all these people from different countries um, and, you know, you, you uh, get to know about different subjects and all of that, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, but in College Green, they, there is no facility for food which means you have to you can either make it yourself or buy it from outside there is a kitchen inside it's a house so there's a kitchen there's there's a laundry there's a washing machine there's everything um so you would have to essentially cook yourself or uh, you have sorry cook by yourself or you would have to buy it from outside um uh, this this college green is located in a very uh, very really good area of singapore called the botanical gardens which means, I mean, as the name says, you live right opposite to the UN head, World Heritage like site. It's it's called mm. the Botanical Garden, and it's a garden. So um, there there are as not a is. lot of yeah, <laughs> there are not a lot of uh, uh, what they say like hotels or restaurants around. There's a there's a hawker center. A hawker center in Singapore is basically a a, a food court kind of one, and the food is cheap there and. It's, it's okay for a student budget, it fits. Uh, but it's not very, I wouldn't say it's very healthy in the long run. But yeah, it fits. Um, so you can buy things from there. And um, the grocery shop is a short walk from there. So you can you can essentially get food and all of that. Or otherwise, you can even buy food in the campus. But I can't really speak for 2021 now because things have changed and they have like these right. restrictions and all of that. So um, essentially from College Green, you have to take an overbridge, like cross the bridge, and then you walk through the gardens and then you reach the university. 
um, the university is a quite interesting place. It's quite, it's filled with like, literally you, you, you ride behind a World Heritage Center, UN Heritage Center or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, while walking, you, you, you can walk in like really good sun and then while coming back, you can catch the sunset or like, you know, the evening skies and everything. So it's pretty cool. Um, but um, compared to the actual NUS campus, which is a few stations away from uh, Botanical Gardens, the uh, law school actually does not have a lot of facilities, including food. Um, it's a very small campus, but we share the campus with the public policy people. But again, uh, even though there are these little drawbacks, uh, the campus is beautiful. Um, the library is just great. You can find literally any book there. And they have a great online portal for books as well. So you can, I mean, it's, it's every law student's dream. It's like, quiet nobody will bother you and yeah I mean there are a few healthy food options in the campus as well like you can get a salad bowl and all of that there's a separate uh, like a restaurant for that but otherwise I think it's a pretty good campus um, I loved it when it rained and it was quite nice to be there yeah it, it helps you focus and helps you study better <laughs> which you have to do a lot at NUS so yeah Okay, so I, I had heard this thing about the cafeteria and the library, I guess. Uh, did you know Animesh uh, Bordoloi? Yeah, I know Animesh. Yeah, yeah we, ha- we had an episode with him. Uh, oh, yeah. awesome. Really good friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, so some things I knew about it. But you gave a good virtual tour of NUS to us. So thanks for that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you were saying... Uh, about, you partly covered the question like about accommodation, but about uh, apart from that, uh, were there any other expenses you uh, you know encountered? Like this was something I I must have planned for or something like that. So at least for me, I'm so grateful that my parents uh, paid my tuition and my accommodation, all of that. Um, I mean, there's I mean over the top of my head, there's nothing that I should have planned for because. Um, luckily, you know, like, like, uh, money was not an issue. So, uh, you know, my, my parents sort of helped me with that, supported me with that. So I'm very grateful for that. But, uh, however, when I went to Singapore, I decided that I will not depend on my parents too much and I will stand on my own legs. So from the day um, I went, I landed in Singapore, I started searching for internships and part-time jobs and I got one, uh, within like one week of going to Singapore. So um, throughout my stay in Singapore, I did one part-time job or internship or another. And it, I, I kind of like made about $500 a month, which is pretty fine if you want to live in Singapore for, in a student budget when all the other expenses are taken care of. So that helped me with like going out in Singapore or uh, buying my groceries. I mean, I couldn't save anything, but I made sure that I didn't have to ask my parents. And I saved up enough to go to a solo trip to Vietnam and Malaysia. So I, I think I did pretty well there. Yeah. I think the part-time jobs were really interesting, helped me networking, met a lot of people. So definitely helped me. Uh, but if you ask me, weekly expenses would be around um, $150 if you're on a budget. Uh, and utilities per month would come to about $100. So uh, I think in a month, just for your, you know, good good quality of life, for you to go out and have fun, about $200, $250 should be fine. Okay. So the, the rest you saved for the Vietnam trip? 
Okay, so the loss, the stress in uh, law school is very, uh, it's, it's a bit too much, it gets to you. So after my first semester, one day I decided I'm going to get lost somewhere. And then finally, I booked a flight to Vietnam and I went with no plan, no itinerary, no nothing. I just packed my bags and went. And uh, it happened to be one of the best trips. With America. your friends or alone? I just went alone. Alone? Okay, nice. So after reaching there, like you had no plans where you will go or I had in- absolutely no idea. I booked a few hotels to stay in, like hostels. Back then, uh, it was November 2019 and it was like the last month before Corona actually came into all of our lives. Mm-hmm. So things were fine. Nothing was dangerous and all. I just booked the flight. I booked a few hostels and uh, I just went. And Vietnam was visa on arrival back then. So I just went, I paid 25 US dollars for my visa. I got stamped in my passport. I went and stood outside in the airport like, okay, now what am I going to do? Luckily, the hotel staff sort of helped me out and they arranged a lot of trips for me. And I also met a lot of people because it was a hostel and uh, I sort of piggy banked on their itineraries and I had a really great trip. Yeah. Are you planning to like be a kind of travel YouTuber or something like that? YouTube are far-fetched but I do have a small space on Instagram where I post like reels and stuff and I think that's just a start so maybe YouTube and all this super far-fetched maybe in the future but not something I'm looking at right now but yes I love traveling I work in a travel company so I just (laughs) (laughs) forgot about that so would you like to share your Instagram handle here Sure, it's called at her unicorn right. At her unicorn right. At yeah, her. Okay. Okay. Unicorn right. Yeah. Okay, cool. Did you face any difficulties while like filling the online forms, getting your transcripts, education loan? You didn't apply for loan, right? Your parents paid for it. So anything related to this transcripts, online forms, anything you feel um, one must you know be careful about before applying for universities abroad? I think that, uh, so in VIT, uh, so since we were the first batch, everyone from the office staff to my faculties, everyone knew me. So all I had to do back then was just to ask. I went and told my professor, sir, I'm applying for NUS. And he was like, wow. I, he, he only said, I will write the recommendation. So I never even asked. So he, uh, he said, I'll write it for you. And two of my professors wrote it for me. And I took it down to my administrative office and they said, uh, oh, no worries, you know, we'll, we'll do it for you. Um, so I think it was a very hassle-free process for me. Um, but I do hear that a lot of my juniors complain these days that there are a lot more students and things don't happen as easily. So I do understand that, you know, it, it's a bit harder in, in universities uh, that doesn't have just one batch. So, uh, yeah, I think it, it was pretty easy for me. But again, you... It's better to actually, you know, do it with an accountability partner. For me, that was my best friend, Shweta, and she was applying to University of Ireland. Oh, sorry. Uh, she was applying to some some university in Dublin. And uh, yeah, she got through as well. And, you know, she we, we did everything together from recommendation to transcripts. So um, it was easier for me to have someone with me and have that thought of accountability and do everything together. So I think one of my tips would be to have someone to do it with you be it a parent or a sibling or a friend, anyone. Yeah. 
let's move on to agoda now uh, we have talked a lot about annuals and the llm procedure and stuff uh, so what's your role at agoda so i'm currently the junior compliance and ethics counsel at agoda so i'm based out of bangkok um, the legal team has a lot of other teams like privacy payment compliance and all of that but i take care of the uh, workplace compliance and ethics so that's what i do at agoda okay okay so uh, but how did you get uh, at agoda in agoda um and uh, after like uh, your llm is it like most of them get placed uh, in like singapore or somewhere near okay so uh, the law universities abroad work entirely differently from law universities in india uh, there is no concept of placements as far as i know not in singapore not in uk not in the us anywhere and even if the llb students are able to get some job opportunities llm students are way far from that they don't really uh, get any placements or job opportunities it's a task to even get an internship so if you uh, if you look at my batch at nus um, along with me there are about 28 indian students and uh, none of none of the people uh, got a job or anything um, as far as i know about three or four people still work in singapore uh, but other than that everybody had to return back to india especially when covid started the situation was even more worse nobody was getting a job like even their own citizens weren't getting a job so when covid started everyone had to go back home um so i decided you know let's let's see like going back home in the during the peak of pandemic in april or june 2020 um was not very ideal for me like going back and do what what should i do everything in chennai was closed the high courts were closed So I thought, okay, let me just stay back for a bit more time and see what comes. Like I wasn't very particular about a job in Singapore, but I just wanted to get something before I go home. Like either a job in India or a job abroad. I, I actually I gave up hope, like getting a job itself, because as you know, class of twenty twenty was not a very <laughs> good time. So um, so I moved out of the college accommodation and I stayed somewhere else. and every day my job my my only task would be to apply for jobs so i went on linkedin and i applied everywhere like literally every job on linkedin and also uh, i also applied for jobs in india nobody replied uh, i applied to tier 1 firms tier 2 you name it i have applied there so uh, and then uh, and then one day i sat and i narrowed down a few companies with good culture that i want to work in and i got to happen to be on the top of it so i thought okay why not like look at options on linkedin and apply and at that time there were three positions open in the legal team one was uh, some dispute advisor one was um, privacy counsel and other one was this workplace compliance and ethics counsel so i just applied and and i still remember the brief moment i applied i thought oh, no one's going to call me back this is i'm just wasting my time but i i applied anyway and then the next day the the recruiter called me back and then there were about four rounds of interview and one uh, psychometric test and uh yeah i i got my offer somewhere in october so um yeah i think i think it was a really i sometimes it still feels a bit surreal like how did i get this <laughs> how did this happen but yeah i think i think uh, for me it was just like you know taking a chance and not giving up hope even in like the hardest times i wouldn't say that staying back in singapore was the easiest choice i've ever made 
it was really hard because back in india people were like literally perishing from the pandemic i was scared for my family and here i was in singapore i didn't want to depend on my parents i had to fend for myself like you know uh, earn money and all of that and still apply for jobs and to keep your motivation when you're when you're jobless and applying for jobs is like literally the hardest thing ever and i think i think somewhere along the line it it sort of paid off like to have that hope and to have that you know never give up let's see what happens attitude is <laughs> it, it it works <laughs> yeah okay uh so this was the like uh, you told us how you got into agoda and stuff but did apart from these uh, the, the rounds of interviews you went through did you did they also check um like did uh, any of the internships you did during the llm or before did that help you uh, while you were like appearing for intern interviews for agoda i mean definitely right i mean i i really couldn't have got this job with just my uh, just my internships from india because by the time i did my llm it was one year ahead you know after my llb so mm-hmm. i can't really use those internships and say oh this is recent work experience so when i went to singapore one of the first part time jobs i had was in this startup called aya um, they're a children magazine and uh, I went for interview and and this person uh you know Tanya she was my boss at I she was super she she liked me and then she sort of said you know I could take on the role of a legal and business sort of um like you know person over there it was a startup with just like four or five people so it really gave me like a lot of experience in doing things from the scratch like i i you know i helped them review their contracts policies and all of that which is pretty cool and i also got a very uh, business kind of input into how an organization runs and i did this for close to 6 to 7 months after which i i uh, i went to this other place uh called uh, glyph so glyph is a is a community association kind of thing it's it's a volunteer volunteering organization which basically helps the local community kids to sort of you know build skills and develop in life so i uh, over there i was a community associate and you know that also helped me to see how to run a business again it was a startup so you know this the problems that come with a startup i worked like saturday sundays and all of that sometimes i used to come back to college green on a friday night and i i go i see all these people like partying and i used to be so bad because i was just working 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 all the time but you know uh, after that i for my arbitration i i did an internship in singapore international arbitration center and uh, that was a month uh, internship during december and after that uh, i briefly worked in this place called circles which is a telco also a startup um and over there i was uh, like i was you know assisting the the legal counsel with like legal work which meant this, this i uh, circle is that platform for creators is that no no circle is a telco okay. like airtel or singtel it's oh, okay like okay okay yeah yeah so i i was there and i was i was assisting the legal counsel with like you know legal contracts again it was it was a it was a business just like a goda was startup and yeah i mean i i got to do a lot of things from the scratch and there was just one legal counsel over there which means i got to do a lot of legal work mm. so when i applied to agoda i i definitely my resume had all of these things um and it was uh, very useful for me to show that i was motivated i had work experience in a startup i also had 
some kind of a business work experience and you know i could have just you know sat back in singapore and i could have enjoyed my life i could have done nothing and i could have gone back to india live comfortably but i it helped me show that you know i started doing my internships 3 days after i landed in singapore and i did not just sit back and enjoy i did not party away my fridays saturdays and sundays i still worked and it you know sort of helped me show them that you know i was highly motivated and i would be a really good fit to your organization because i work hard and i will do anything it takes to just sort of you know keep progressing keep developing so it definitely helped me in not only showing work experience but also like you know personality motivation character and all of that so i 100% recommend if you can do internships just do it like it doesn't matter just do it so you were working uh, like as at a, a part time job plus an plus internships plus college right yeah i was doing a lot of things at once i think even my friends at nus didn't know so much um, like unless they listen to this they're not going to know even now um a lot of people just thought i was always in the library i was always this person who's studying studying but honestly i was juggling so much and i there were times i felt so bad that i couldn't go party out and all of that but i think now i'm in thailand it's like literally the party heaven <laughs> i mean so i think it paid off like you know somewhere along the line it sort of paid off yeah okay so uh, how's life in bangkok uh, you gave a rough idea but still apart from the partying culture uh, do you think like the culture in the corporate firms the law firms are better than india or different in india and if different in how is it different well um to answer your question life in bangkok uh, again funny because like i have an experience the full bangkok at its best because mm, right. i came here last lockdown so actually i've never been to a party in bangkok because everything has been shut down i've just heard so much but one thing is that bangkok is like a really i mean thailand is a really great place to sort of travel and to live um i think living here is super convenient you can live alone in a small condo which is like it has swimming pool has a gym has a lot of things and you know it's it's pretty pretty nice to live in the center of bangkok and um it's very convenient like which means you can get anything delivered to your doorstep whatever you want around the world whatever you want you can just del- get delivered to your doorstep you literally don't have to step out of your house um which is nice like even if you want to go to the gym you don't have to step out of the building which is cool um and also cost of living is extremely it's it's very low in bangkok as opposed to singapore where i've lived in and i mean definitely not as low as india but uh, definitely not very high as well um but uh, traveling in bangkok definitely is amazing like singapore was very small like there's not much you can do after after five or six months thing to do in singapore um you can just keep exploring going on hiking trails and all of that but uh, compared to that in bangkok you can do any you can go to an island you can go to a mountain you can go to a beach you can do a lot of things here in bangkok and i mean in thailand and then you know traveling is very cheap here um internal domestic travel is very cheap and i think once the borders open it's very easy to travel to other countries as well like cambodia laos vietnam it's very nearby and it's it's pretty convenient to travel as well um what was the other one what was the other regarding the firms culture in law firms and corporate oh, yeah. um, i wouldn't know about like the law firms in bangkok because i haven't Um, you haven't you know, worked there but if you have any colleagues or anyone working there whom you know 
have you um i think a form is a form wherever you are in the world a form is going <laughs> to be a form <laughs> uh so a lot of us it's going to be a bit hard it's the work life balance is going to be a bit tough um which is one of the reasons i decided against joining a law firm very early on in my life and for me personally uh, working here gives me work life balance gives me time to do things i like like for example every day after work i work out i go for a walk for one whole hour i come back i learn french i do a lot of things which um which my peers in india who work in law firms are not able to do they they work till 12 which is i mean i guess if it's good for them it's good for them if they like it they like it but personally it's not for me which is why i decided to opt out of that law firm life um but if it works for people it does so i guess a firm is still you know it's going to be hard wherever you are in the world us uk singapore anywhere but um yeah i think i think uh, as compared to that uh, being in a corporate gives you a lot you know gives you a lot more time to appreciate the smaller things in life um i think to add on to that uh, i also interned in this place called squire patent box in singapore um and yeah i mean it was a regular law firm just like a law firm in india series uh, you know a lot of work tasks things have to be done a never ending to do list so yeah okay so you are talking about the uh, traveling thing so uh, how is the visa situation there and especially at singapore because if if anyone is planning to you know do his masters uh, somewhere in singapore or uh, anywhere or somewhere so how is okay. that so as soon as you apply for uh, this uh, llm or whatever you get accepted uh, you get a student pass the college will do that for you you don't have to do anything you will get a student pass and you can show that in the airport and go to singapore and all of that uh, the minute your course ends like one month after your llm ends which is like say it ends in somewhere sometime in april your last exam will be sometime in april and after that uh, by june your student pass will be over at that point if you do not want to stay in singapore you can come back obviously you have to surrender the student pass and come back but if you do want to stay in singapore you have to apply for something called the ltvp which is the long term visit pass which is valid for a whole year but the issue here is uh, in a student pass you can do part time jobs you can intern and all of that but in a in a long term visit pass you can't uh, work you can't do uh, any job you can't do anything if you do want to work you have to get your pass converted into a work permit or a work visa which your employer will do for you um and there is a minimum salary criteria for uh, employment visa which i think by now it should be around 3900 dollars back then when i left singapore it was 3900 dollars um so if you are a foreigner working in singapore your basic pay is around 4000 dollars um So yeah if you still want to stay in Singapore you have to convert to LTVP and LTVP is valid for a whole year and you can use the LTVP to mainly search for jobs and not work you can't work it's illegal to work in an LTVP and if you're caught you will have to go to jail or pay a fine or something so this 3900 you said was for LTVP or the work permit So LTVP you can't work like you're not supposed to work or do anything. You can literally use that LTVP to stay put in Singapore and and you know look for a job and basically cut across queues in the airport because you can, you can just show the LTVP and you're basically a resident in Singapore. Mm-hmm. So you don't have, you get all the benefits but you don't you can't work you uh, you can't work using an LTVP. 
um but you uh, if you want to apply for a job or anything the employer would have to sponsor your work pass no, no i was asking about the amount you said is it, was it for a work permit or ltvp work permit, yeah. work permit right okay and the ltvp doesn't cost much no i think ltvp doesn't cost anything like i hmm. don't know i don't remember how much i paid it's it's literally just you have to surrender your student pass and you have to get an ltvp instead it gives you a right to stay in singapore that's so it. that you can it's search for jobs yeah makes sense over to our last question though i don't want this conversation to end but we have to <laughs> so uh please share an incident from your career which is very memorable to you my career um well so i it think can, it can be yeah. anywhere from anywhere like from anywhere from from your bangkok uh, job or any you know, your internships or somewhere else also so that's fine but something uh, something very memorable you have well definitely a couple of it i can't just name one <laughs> uh one was i think the first first and foremost thing was you know throughout law school i was told that hey you know you should have gone to a national law university your opportunities are very less you can't do anything in life and all of that and one of it was to you know graduate law school with like a gold medal and everything and then you know and then see all this like lies it's just lies everywhere people just like people just tell you things that you know uh, that they they don't know about themselves it's i mean you can study in a private law university and still be a success you can still earn like five figures six figures whatever you it's it's up to you and it's up to you to like sort of progress upskill yourself do internships do meet people connect on linkedin you know send messages to random people connect with them talk to them so i think that's one to come out of uh, my llb and then see that you know there's a whole world out there i don't have to limit myself just because of what people say and the second one was obviously getting into nus was a big deal for me because you know coming out of this mindset that i can't do anything since i'm from private law school and to like you know uh, face all these questions from people i've had people tell me that i got a gold medal just because i studied in a private law university and to see all these people tell all these things and finally get into one of the best law schools in asia and you know finish law school and then get a job definitely a third moving on to the third point is to get a job um abroad because i have always thought it was all, always these nls iu people and nls people who got these jobs abroad and you know it's never possible for a person who studied in a private law school which is also wrong again um so i guess you know you can take it from me that you know like studying in any law school in 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 the last point of india doesn't matter it just it's just up to you to sort of have this mindset you know upskill yourself progress and develop and i think that's that's one thing my my entire career line has taught me is to never sort of give up and never like underestimate yourself never be like oh you know this person told this that's up, that's how much i can do you know you can always do your best and you can see where that takes you so i think that's one thing that i've followed throughout my career and i think because of that i have had like a ton of memorable moments and a ton of you know i look back and i see people have told me all these things but today none of it none of that happens to be true and another thing is um you know throughout my um throughout my career my education uh people i've met have been my support circle make sure that you know you surround yourself with people who support you people who don't say you know things that don't matter in 5 6 years make sure people are there to support you to lift you up even if the smallest thing happens to you and i think i think that's also one of the most memorable things um that has 
that I've come across throughout like all these five, six years. So yeah. Okay, great. Thanks, Archa, for this wonderful conversation and sharing your experience with us. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you like this episode, do check out our other episodes available here and follow us here so that you don't miss out our new episodes. Thank you.